Welcome to the Grace of Eugene podcast. We exist to help every person in our sphere of influence to encounter Christ, experience biblical community, and extend God's kingdom. You can learn more about us at gracedeugene.com. Here's the podcast. Hey family, welcome to the podcast today. I am Pastor Chris and I'm here with Pastor David Hermes for this month's edition of Meet the Family. Uh, Pastor David Hermes is coming at us from our brand new church plant in Denver, Colorado. And over the last couple of years, him and I have got to develop just an amazing friendship, in my opinion, at least. I pray it's the same for him. And a cool thing about this is Pastor David is coming out here to Eugene in a couple of weeks uh, to minister to us. And so we thought it was an amazing opportunity for him to be the one that we get to know through this podcast this week. If you haven't tuned in to Meet the Family before, this is our opportunity to help you meet more folks in our Every Nation family, pastors, leaders from around the nation, and eventually around the world. So, Pastor David, thank you for being with us here today. Matt, it's so great to be with you. Thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's start out and let's just hear about your family. Tell us about wife, kids, where you live, all that fun stuff. Absolutely. So yeah, we moved to Denver, Colorado in uh, summer 2019 to establish Hope Valley Church. I have uh, been married to Megan for 17 years. Uh, and uh, so our uh, our marriage is almost old enough uh, to vote. So we're we're pretty excited about that. Uh, we met in the church youth group, actually, at Grace Covenant Church, uh, Pastor Brett Fuller's, uh, under Pastor Brett Fuller's leadership and Pastor Jim Critcher. But we met in the youth group. It was not a love at first sight story. Uh, that's probably for another time. But uh, <laughs> we had not so high thoughts of one another, uh, but grew in love. Uh, ended up getting married over Thanksgiving break in our sophomore year, junior year of high school. Of college, rather, not high school. That'd, that'd be crazy. <laughs> it's not that kind East of. Coast life kind of is different, man. <laughs> we weren't. We weren't in that part of Virginia. We we were we were in Northern Virginia, where you got to be a little older. Um, but uh, married seventeen years, we have uh, four kids. Four kids, aged sixteen down to eight, and so. Um, it's been a it's been a wild ride moving and experiencing COVID and all of that related stuff. I'm in my closet today uh, because we've got a snow day uh, slash there aren't enough teachers in the schools right now because everybody's got COVID. So they they hunted on school today. So I'm back in the closet. I spent most of COVID in. So yeah, it's your little makeshift recording meeting area. It is. It We've is. had many Zoom calls with you in there. <laughs> always, always hiding in here. It's my best, <laughs> best shot at a quiet conversation. Right. Hey, you know, desperate times require desperate measures. <laughs> so did you grow up in Virginia? Tell us about like your life growing up. Have you always been out there until recently? Yeah. So um, my, my dad uh, and mom, uh, uh, raised me uh, in a Christian home, and uh, church planting has always kind of been a part of our life. Uh, they got to know each other in Manhattan, Kansas, uh, but it, when they moved, uh, and they moved with a church planting movement to Kansas City, that's where I was born, Kansas City, Kansas, 
they went with a church plant to the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And then they went on a church plant from there to Northern Virginia. Hmm. And um, and so uh, church planting, uh, as, a, as a kid, I was a part of church plants. My dad was just a businessman and a, and a sound guy, sound engineer for every church he's ever been at. So he, you know, kind of first guy in, last guy out, dragging me along and, and teaching me teaching me AVL. And that, that's where I kind of cut my teeth in ministry and service. And, um, and then in 1990, uh, roughly 1994, I think, uh, our church plant merged with Pastor Brett's church. And that's how I kind of got grafted into the Every Nation family. And so I was a part of a small church that uh, merged into a slightly bigger and growing church. And uh, man, never looked back, never looked back. And so uh, my wife, however, grew up in Fairfax County. And uh, so this move from Denver, uh, this move to Denver uh, was her first move away from home. We both went to George Mason University together so that we could stay close to the church. Uh, We were interning with the youth ministry and then helping establish a new campus ministry as students there. And uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's kind of been a lot of places. Northern Virginia is more home than uh, Texas or Kansas City. But um, man, I I love the city of Denver. And this is really it's it's home for us now. And it's it's exciting to be here. That's awesome. Yeah. So you've been there for how long now? Is it just over two years? Two and a half years. Two and a half. Two and a half years. Yeah. That had to be a big change, like going East Coast to to Denver. And one thing that as I've just reflected on you guys being kind of the Lone Rangers out there in in Colorado's East Coast, I didn't realize that being from Oregon and always living out here, but everything's so condensed. There are so many big cities so close, which means there's so many churches within our church family, right? That are that are yes. close. Now, you guys, like, what's the closest every nation church to you guys now? Is it New Mexico or Vegas? It's Albuquerque. Yeah. Yeah. That's Albuquerque. And he's a great man, but, but we're so far away. Uh, We don't really see each other. Most of my relationship has been on Zoom, uh, you know, the various streaming platforms. And then and then, you know, the pastor clusters have meant the world to me, which is how we got to know each other. And so so, I mean, I as much as as much as we're uh, very far from uh, geographically from the the rest of the Every Nation family, um, we've managed to build relationally close and, um, you know, like. Yeah, so it's just a just an absolute privilege to be part of spiritual family. I've met I've met some church planters out here who don't have that, and um, man, it's hard. It's hard because they just have to they have to make their own relationships, and it's all kind of it feels tenuous. And um, but I, man, I got I got family, you know, not you know like all over the United States, and like you said at the top of this thing that that we've got a global family as well that we relate to and draw strength from and encourage as well. So. Um, yeah, so, but, but being in Denver has been, it's been, it's a massive change. Uh, I, I, I'm a suburb guy. Um, I grew up in the suburbs. I was pastoring a church in the suburbs I grew up in. I remember reading an article online about the call for church planters in the United States to go to urban centers. And I was like, man, thank God somebody else is going to do that. I mean, I'm not even, I, I was, part of me was scared. Um, part of me was intimidated wasn't really sure. I was like, man, thank 
thank God I've got my site, you know, my like safe suburb life established for me. Um, and, um, man, I didn't know that was really the beginning of God calling me to go to an urban center to plant a church in a city I didn't, I didn't know. Yeah. Um, growing up in the East Coast, uh, West, the West culture is very different from East Coast culture. Uh, we draw heavily from the D.C. culture in Northern Virginia. Everybody's either a government contractor or works directly for the government. And um, yeah. out here in Colorado, uh, you know, people don't want to know what they, when they ask, what do you do? They don't mean what's your job. They mean, what's your hobby? It's a, just a mm-hmm. totally different, totally different space, just a different way of, of living life and different values and priorities. So that's been, it's been wild. Yeah. It's been wild. And this will be your first time to Oregon coming up, right? I cannot wait. Yeah, this will be my first time that far west. We're gonna so, have to. We're gonna have to show you around. It's gonna be a, a couple fast-paced days. Baptize <laughs> me all the way into West Coast culture, North Pacific Northwest at that. Pacific Northwest culture. <clears throat> yeah, that still that depends on the year as to what that exactly entails. But we'll do our we'll do our best. Makes sense. Is there anything I need to particularly wear? Um, Bergenstocks Flannel. with with wool socks would probably be okay. a good start. That's yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> I'll, I'll work. I'll, I'll get my uniform together. There you go. Get your get your uni together. <laughs> Just Pinterest it, man. <laughs> I'm sure you'll come up. <laughs> That's what I'll do. Oh goodness. Well, what? Again, just getting to know you a little bit. What's what's the best vacation you have ever been on, like non-work related? Because I know sometimes you know, we I, kind of combine work stuff. Yeah, I knew I knew this question was coming, and I and I think uh, I it was I, I think my answer is what's a vacation? I <laughs> <laughs> we got married in college and had kids right away, man. I like, so no, we um. I, Maybe know, we I need to say, every... what's your favorite trip, right? Because yeah, once you have we make a lot of memories, but there's yes. that much vacating because, uh, you know, we're still in mom and dad mode when we, yeah. when we go on trips. Um, you know, we took this one trip uh, down the East Coast and we got stuck from getting back into Northern Virginia because of snow. Um, they got they got dumped on man they got like a foot of snow and so we were like well let's just let's just slow down our trip and so we took our time and we and we stayed in um south carolina a little bit and then north carolina we went to aquariums and just kind of just kind of lived it up and so it wasn't even as much about the destination it was the first time in a very long time when that happened we weren't racing to get back to a sunday morning uh because we couldn't and mm-hmm. so, so kind of, we had been on this routine where, I mean, I had missed a Sunday in probably 10 years and, and we weren't going to make it back and they were going to have to cancel church. And it was like, okay, so we, we have to, we, we get to slow down. We have to slow down kind of maybe a marriage of those two realities at the same time. And so it was like, I felt permission to exhale mm-hmm. and that, that made it so much easier to relate to the kids, made it so much easier to relate to Megan. It made the time on 995, which is the major interstate on the, on the East coast, um, more palatable. Cause I wasn't, I wasn't racing anybody. I was just, we, we could just take our time 
And that was that was remarkable. And so I think that would be the, the best trip we took, maybe the best vacation we took. No, that's that's cool, man. There's probably a, a lesson slash some advice wrapped in there for, for us young parents, young families as well, right? Like just the we can often plan these big moments, but it's often in the the unplanned, in the the forced slowdowns where a lot of those sweet memories and where some realization yeah. comes. Yeah, I mean, this one hotel we stayed in. I mean, it was it was disgusting. It was like because we because we just had to stop, and it was a, it was a very uh, very great chain of hotels. But our particular hotel smelled like cigarette smoke, marijuana, and curry. And and so it was like not like subtle curry, but like maybe there was a curry factory that got moved that, that moved out of our out of our uh, room be- right before we got there. That's and, intense. Um, and so it was it was a lot of smells and it was it was kind of crazy, but man, we played board games and we laughed and we giggled and we watched you know movies and just just kind of it was just an excuse to slow down and make the most of a moment and it was really special for us by the way i love curry not a fan of a room smelling like right did that that ruin that for you about for a bit after that like it did i did stay away for a minute i was like i think i I think i've had enough i think we're good on the pause curry for a sec (laughs) (laughs) so your answer your response will say to that kind of warrants uh, another question do you tend to just be a pure grinder like you're just going you don't stop is that like kind of how you and your family rolls you just always going or do you kind of have some rhythms in that or you like yeah just curious about that yeah i love the name i love the the word rhythm um i think that um my rhythm is to push really really hard for a long period of time and then i'll i'll take a i'll do i do it in intervals right but maybe like a like a like a three to one like a grind to rest ratio right so i'll go three to five weeks super hard and then i'll take a week that's that's a little bit softer and kind of regather and replan the next the next charge it's not even a rhythm i was aware of for a lot of my a lot of my life and then uh, we were probably about eight years into our marriage before Megan revealed to me that that was a rhythm that I was constantly following. Um, because, uh, you know, we, we were talking one night and I was like, hey, I think I'm gonna leave the house tomorrow pretty early. You know, so, you know, sometimes I'll leave the house at, you know, five o'clock in the morning to get into the office and, and just go. But I had been mm-hmm. going in a little bit late and I was like, hey, just so you know, I'm going in early tomorrow. She goes, oh, I was coming. And I was like, what do you mean? She said, oh, yeah, this is your rhythm. This is how you this is how you do things. This is your pace. This is your cadence. Mm-hmm. You go hard and then you, you kind of refill and then you go hard again. Um, Megan, on the other hand, Megan is a boss lady and she is extraordinary and has uh, tremendous drive and is incredibly consistent. So where I do intervals, she's just, she's just on rails, man. She just goes and it's just, it's inspiring uh, to, to watch. It's, it's, it's um it's intimidating but but super inspiring and um so a lot of my motivation is just trying to keep up with her yeah <laughs> i want to feel i want to fulfill the call of god but man i got to keep up with my wife <laughs> <laughs> i don't want to fall behind exactly oh. i don't want to lose um part of the reason we go in early though uh when we go in early is so that we can get time with our kids in the evening yeah that's something that's 
that we really appreciate, that we really enjoy trying to have as many meals with them as we can, trying to get to their soccer, you know, like get them to soccer practice or swim practice or whatever it is. So, so, you know, because we have the flexibility to choose when we're going to work, uh, sometimes we make the decision to go in very early. Uh, sometimes we make the decision to work very late. Um, but we do try and, uh, maximize the, uh, the flexibility that we, that we do have. And again, that's something that Megan is, a, she's an extraordinary architect of finding those moments and kind of, um, defining a season and, and figuring out how to squeeze, uh, squeeze the juice out of every, every corner of the calendar. She's really good at that. Yeah. Awesome. So you said you grew up in a Christian church planting household. What yeah. did it look like for you to discover and pursue your own relationship with Jesus and how that come about in the midst of all that? Yeah, I love that question. I love, I love thinking about this. Um, because for me, uh, my parents made loving Jesus appealing. And I think that's the most, that's maybe the most, maybe that's the first thing that they did for me was to help me um, anticipate a life where I could know Jesus, where I could know God and I could walk with him. Um, you know, there was no shortage of difficulty in, in my upbringing, in our, in our home. Uh, different seasons that were dark and difficult and painful for for everybody in different kinds of ways. Um, so it's not like it was like happy-go-lucky, like Ned Flanders, no trouble reality, right? It was like there was there was real pain, there was real suffering, and there was real trouble. Um, there was real difficulty, but I could know God, right? And that was that was so exciting for me that 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 was an invitation. In a, in a possibility, it stuck so much with me that that the way we describe uh, the the invitation to follow Jesus at Hope Valley, we say to know, trust, and follow Jesus, because that's I think the most extraordinary invitation that any of us can be given. Um, in terms of walking with Him, it has meant because I did give my life to Jesus at a young age, it's been it's been neat because you know at, at to follow Jesus at six years old looks a certain way. And then redeciding at eight and eleven, you know, going into middle school, am I going to follow Jesus, right? Am I going to am I going to surrender my life to Him? And what what does that surrender look like at that age is different than it looked when I was six. And then and then fourteen through sixteen, getting into high school and kind of becoming a man and establishing myself as a as a as an athlete in my school and being friendly and whatever I was going to be, was I going to be defined by Jesus or was I going to be defined by these others? So deciding again to follow Jesus and, um, you know, catching some flack for that decision to follow Jesus and getting mocked a little bit because, because my relationship with Jesus impacted my, my relationships. I chose not to date while I was in high school. And that, you know, that's not a very popular decision. It wasn't even popular with me. I didn't like the decision, but it was a decision <laughs> that I stuck with because I felt like at that time, that's a way that I could honor God and follow him in that season. And um, then choosing again, to follow Jesus in, in college as a freshman in college, you know, getting out of the house and trying to carve your own path and, and figure out what's it going to look like. And then, you know, as a young married, okay, now I got to follow Jesus again, right? Now I have this mm -hmm. extraordinary gift that God's given me to sanctify me and, and it's revealing all my weaknesses and insecurities and fears and doubts. And, you know, like eh, not what I expected from, my marriage relationships. And so um, 
So I don't know how normal this is, but I've got a kid talking to me right now. So, hey, what's up? Okay, can you tell him that I'm on a phone call? Yeah, thank you. Say, 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 daddy's on a phone call and the heater is by the front door. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the perfect picture of life. So, of life, right? Or we should just keep going. <laughs> How do you want to handle that? <clears throat> Let's just keep going. This real life, man. Right. That's my life, man. That was that was my eight-year-old, just sweet as pie, eating a popsicle. It's like three degrees outside. <laughs> eating a popsicle. Uh, my um, so uh, our associate pastor here, uh, their power went out last night, and so he's going around gathering um, heaters <laughs> to heat his house. But all right. So I think I was saying it's like learning to follow Jesus in every season, right? So as a young married, learning again to follow Jesus, then as a as a young parent learning to follow Jesus as a, uh, as a, as a facility manager and operations manager for the church and basically fancy titles for custodian. Um, you like, what does it look like to follow Jesus, uh, as a campus missionary? What does it look like to follow Jesus as a church planter? It's still the same question. Will I follow Jesus and, and allow him to shape me and form me and, um, it's really good. Bend me to his will as he needs to. So, yeah. yeah. So in the midst of that journey of learning what it looks like to follow Jesus in different seasons, you've obviously had different kind of calls into ministry along your journey. And you've mentioned some of your titles and experiences along the way, but what did that look like for you being called into ministry? Did you just kind of grow up into ministry because of your proximity and your family's involvement? And it was just like, this is what it means to be in church? Or was there like a moment like... Did discipleship yield it? What did that look like for you? That's a great question. I think it's all of those things. Well, the one thing that was absent from my call to ministry was like a really emotional moment, right? So I went to student conferences for years. I went to my first student conference in, uh, I think, 2000 or 1999 at Duke University. And, okay. you know, that's when I saw my first altar call to full-time campus ministry. And I saw these guys go up. I'm like, that's amazing these men and women going up and just responding to the call to go into full-time ministry. And I was like, I want that someday. Hmm. And going back the next year and seeing it again and not, not feeling particularly stirred being like, man, I want that someday. And um, so I never responded to an altar call to full-time ministry. I didn't ever have a deeply um, uh, external moment per se. Uh, but it really was, just being invited into the work of ministry as a layperson, uh, and realizing that um, while I have skills that can be used in other places, there my my heart, my soul, um, won't allow me to do anything else. Um, so, um, so yeah, it was a, it was a progressive call that you know. Uh, Pastor Steve Merle in his book, The Multiplication Challenge, says you got to find, he's like, you look for people who are faithful, available, involved, teachable, and hungry. Um, and, and one of the steps and one of the processes in that is an internship, impartation and internship. And that's really what I experienced. That book kind of captures my experience. And I, I think it was a more of an intuitive um, thing that Pastor Brett, Pastor Jim, and others brought me in through. 
Um, they weren't working a system or a checklist. They were just, hey, David's available and he, mm. and he wants this and let's invite him into the work and let's give him a place. And, and I messed things up, man. I made, I made so many mistakes. I, I, I jacked up a lot of things and they expressed a lot of patience and a lot of, a lot of grace and a lot of mercy. But I really, eh, I, I was a just hell on wheels, man. I, it was like, I was trying my best, but man, I messed up a lot of things and they were really um, gracious uh, mm. toward me uh, because they believe in discipleship. And, yeah. and um, the, I, you know, I mentioned that, you know, I interned with the youth ministry and as a college student, we helped start a campus ministry. And then I got hired. My first job for the church was a janitor. Um, but while I was the janitor, I was running small groups and volunteering on Sunday mornings and just, just loving Jesus and trying to be a minister of the gospel. Uh, the transition to uh, of, out of church operations into a campus ministry position came um, came in 2009, 2011, kind of crossfade between those those times. But God broke my heart for the college campus, and I was mm. like, I just I just gotta go. I can't. There's I can't. I can do other things, but I can't do anything else. There are people who are lost and suffering under the weight of shame and, and guilt and insecurity and trying to figure out who they are. And, um, I wanted to introduce them to Jesus. So, um, yeah. yeah. And then it's just been, um, the need has moved me from one place to another. You know, just the burden of God, not necessarily a sense of like, I personally feel a call. It's I, I feel a burden. I feel a weight feel a responsibility for something and and talking to um, elders and my pastors and friends and just kind of weighing that and praying through it god's god's made the next door apparent every time hmm. that's really good so in the midst of your various experiences what would you say is the most powerful move of god you've witnessed in your time following jesus man i I I don't I don't know that I can separate out a, sing, a single one. Hmm. I love every single time somebody surrenders their life to Jesus, like the real ones. <laughs> you know the, the the ones the ones that the ones that stick. You know, like not fishing for a hand that's raised because somebody stirred a little bit, and, but like when somebody sees Jesus, decides to follow him for the first time. Man, that blows me away every single time. I love baptisms. Uh, it blows me away every single time. I, it's so exciting. Um, I've seen ministries grow really fast. Um, I, I've seen, I was at Grace Covenant when it grew from um, several hundred to multiple thousands. Um, I, uh, I saw campus ministry grow from 40 to 150 I like I in in a, in a couple of years. So like I've seen things happen really fast, and that was exciting. But I've also seen God move really really slow, and that was just as exciting and just as amazing. Um, I've seen God do things in big meetings that were remarkable. But man, I remember this one worship service with fourteen college students that is probably unparalleled in terms of 
the things that God did in people's hearts. And so, you know, it's like, it's like, it's just, it's all exciting. And when, when God is yeah. doing something, it's exciting, whether it's fast or it's slow or it's big or it's small, it's the same God. It's the same seed. It's the same gospel. It's the same kingdom. And um, it all gets me excited. It yeah. all gets me excited. So it's hard to draw out maybe a particular, uh, any, any one moment over another. I love, I love missions trips. I've been on a bunch of them i love but i love training for the missions trip right it's not just being in country for 10 days reaching reaching um you know non-christians it's it's the equipping that leads up to it is just as exciting and then the time in city or in country is is really exciting and then the follow-up from that is really exciting so i just i just love it when god is doing what he does no matter how fast or how slow or what nation it is or or any of those kinds of things i it's it's all it's all exciting. Oh, that's cool, man. Yeah. Although the more I talk about it, maybe the most maybe the most profound things are when I've I've had the privilege of of baptizing my own children. Mm -hmm. Maybe maybe that sticks out. That's yeah. That's that price I, sticks out. Maybe maybe so like it took me. I don't know how long it took me to answer that question, but uh, <laughs> but I think I think maybe baptizing my children hmm. uh stands out among them uh because they are they are um my first ministry yeah well, that's really good um so this next question is kind of it's got a potential add-on here but i want to hear about just Denver and Hope Valley Church, you know, just kind of demographics, what it's been like. You planted a church in the midst of a pandemic, super easy thing to do. There's a lot of literature about how to do that successfully. So I yep. uh, yeah. just want to hear about following all that, you know, what for you and have any other opportunities come out of that that you can talk about, you know, through like Google ads and things like that. And so let's just kind of hear about, hear about what you got going on. Yeah, I love how you, you teed up with the Google ads. So I know I know what you want me to talk about. Um, <laughs> so, so we moved we moved here, and um, we we were only here for, gosh, eight months before COVID really uh, shut everything down. So we barely knew our way around the city, barely had a dry cleaner. Um, just you know, we were really just beginning to put down roots. My kids were just starting to make friends in the school. And then everything shut down. And so that was, that's been weird. It's kind of prolonged our ability or slowed down our ability to, um, to get to know our city. Um, one of the gifts that was in that is it kept me from just planting the church that I could plant, right? Having been in ministry for a whole bunch of years, um, I could just go recreate with the amazing people that God brought to Denver to help establish the church. We could have just recreated uh what we know and what we've experienced and and um but god kind of disallowed that he prohibited that he mm -hmm. he stood in the way of us doing that so so that we could plant i think what is more the church that's on his heart for this city mm -hmm. um it opened up our ears to listen better um and made it, it it forced us to be more patient you know back to your question about pushing hard and stuff like it, it's not a matter of pushing harder um it's it's a matter of lining up our effort with God's effort and working where He's working, and not just creating the result that we want. And and that's been a humbling that's been a humbling process. Um, it's been 
it's been difficult and slow and and in that way absolutely beautiful yeah. um to see people come to know trust and follow jesus who didn't know him pre-pandemic because we slowed down i mean uh the slowdown kept me from just focusing on sunday morning i had to meet my neighbors right like i wish i wish i was the kind of guy that was like i want to know all of my neighbors but really it was like i wanted i wanted the church to to grow and to be amazing and sundays to be the primary thing and and when that god kind of uh put the break on that it was like okay so now we're gonna we're gonna be neighbors and we're gonna love our neighbor mm. uh, i met a man named jay pathic uh he's with vineyard and he wrote a book called the art of neighboring and he and challenged my challenged my um presuppositions my assumptions about what it means to love our neighbor he's like do you even know your neighbor's names do you know what they do do you know what their hopes are what their dreams are and i was like oh man i'm i don't know any of those things mm. uh, and i was trying to win the city but i was looking past my neighbors and um and so covid was a gift to us in, in that way um we had the privilege um an, an amazing of people came to denver with us uh, an amazing group of people god god touched their heart and they came uh, to help establish the church and that was um in the midst of an otherwise very difficult moment um we had we had friendships we had mm -hmm. we had deep friendships and sustaining friendships and we were able to stand with each other and fight with one another and fight for one another and, and pray and uh encourage one another and so so even though the, the breaks got put on in that regard, um, we still had each other and that was that was amazing. That was beautiful. Uh, we, we got a, uh, in the midst of COVID and everything else, Megan got a, uh, she got certified for Google ads. And we got a grant um, for Google ads and, and it ran globally for a few days. <laughs> so, so like, uh, like, church online or something like that ran globally for three days and so for three days or, or for a few weeks after that we 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 had all sorts of visitors from all over the world and um you know a, a few of those a few of those visitors um stuck right and they became a part of our online community we did our services through zoom and uh so we had a little small group afterwards and uh, we regathered in May 2021. That's why I'm using past tense. Um, but um, we um, we met a, a man in Pakistan who was looking for relationship and discipleship and uh, loved God, loves God with his whole heart, but was just lonely. Um, it's less than 2% of the population in Pakistan is Protestant. Uh, it's like 96% Muslim. And, and so being a Christian in a Muslim nation is a very different experience. Uh, for anybody who felt like they had it hard moving to Denver, uh, <laughs> this this put this put things in perspective for yeah. us. And we've been building relationship with this man, and um, discipleship opportunities have opened up. And we've been we've been with him, able to serve the the nation of Pakistan, um, providing resources to care for widows and orphans and slave children. And um, God is doing just some really amazing things through our relationships and. Um, so not only did COVID allow for us to slow down and build according to his pattern for our city, it also gave us the opportunity to have a global impact, which was unexpected, unplanned, 
um, really out of order and backwards to everything that we had planned. Um, but, but pretty amazing nonetheless. Yeah. That's awesome. Thanks. Google ads. Yeah. Google ads. So you mentioned that you kind of merged into every nation as a child through your, you know, family's church. Um, so maybe you didn't choose every nation, but you've chose to stay. Right. And that's been the case with many of the guys that, uh, we've interviewed in this. And so what has, like, what is it about every nation? Like your favorite thing that keeps you here that, that makes this is you plant a new church, you're planting an every nation church, you know, what is it about the fam? Bro, it's the fam. <laughs> it's, it's this, it's you, right? It's, um, you know, I think I've always loved it. I love the mission. I love the values. I love the call to be a Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, socially responsible church. I don't want to be another kind of church. Mm. Um, I love our discipleship process. I love that it's a global family. I love that even if you never set foot in a in a uh, in another country, if you're giving generously to your local church, you're having a global impact because our cho- our church is so into the um, our church is so into the global mission, and so. We partner with um, men and women in creative access nations, and we um, we are a part of God's kingdom being established and revealed all throughout the world. Mm-hmm. Without just by just by showing up and building with one another and giving generously, we we like participate in that. So, you know, the thought that our little church here in Denver is having a global impact that you know. With the church in Eugene, Oregon's having a global impact. The church in Sterling, Virginia, the new church plant in Lexington, 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 Kentucky, is having a global impact just by existing. I mean, man, who gets to do? Who gets to do that? I mean, that's that's wild, and that that is that's amazing. So I love I love the mission. I love the vision. I love reaching college students. Man, it's like jet fuel on a congregation uh, to have college students around. Um, jet fuel on a worship experience. Uh, I love the priority on the next generation. I love that we're calling people into ministry. I love that ministry belongs to the minister or to the to the members, not just to the pastor. I love that. Um, but but for all of that that I love, I I think that if it was just all of that, but without relationship, I wouldn't be here. It's that uh, it's that there are men in my case that I can confess into that can pray for me and encourage me. And when I'm mm. mad or sad or just um, frustrated, I, I can, I can, man, I can call somebody up and say, man, I'm, I'm struggling. I'm afraid. Uh, there were times during COVID, man, I was, I was straight afraid, not, a, not afraid of COVID necessarily for me, but I, it's like, it's like, man, is this church going to, is it going to work? I didn't, I didn't plan for this. This wasn't, this wasn't, <laughs> we didn't cover this at the boot camp. <laughs> Right. Like it wasn't a part of my strategic plan. This was not my three year plan. Right. Um, it wasn't my one year plan. It wasn't our launch plan. Yeah. Uh, but I had, but I have relationship and I can call people and, cool. and there's no shortage of people who would hop on a plane and come here in a hurry. If I experienced uh, significant difficulty, if I, if I asked, I can think of no less than maybe 20 men that would be on a, that would be on a plane. Um, because 
they love each other. They, they love, they love me and it, and, um, and I love them. And, uh, I know that that's not just my story. It's not just my experience, but it's the experience of, of many of the people. And so while I've prioritized men, I'm also excited that my wife has relationships that are deep and meaningful. And she's got the same kind of friends that could hop on a plane and come support her. They will, um, 2021, man, I wept with some people. Hmm. I wept. I had friends make terrible mistakes. And I had friends experience tremendous loss. We wept on the phone together and we fought together. And, and, and we're seeing people not just fall, but people get restored. We're seeing people not just experience pain, but experience comfort. And yeah. um, I just, man, that's worth its weight in gold uh, to me. Yeah. And so um, that you're not just this guy that I know at a conference um, being hosted by a third person and we just happened to meet each other. Uh, you know, because we sat in the same section. But man, where I'm going to see you at, at every cluster and every pastors conference, and, and um, that I that I know the things that your people are going through, and we pray for you guys, and you pray for us. I mean, that's that's you can't fake that. You can't fake that. So, that's so that's good. why that's why every nation for me. No, that's really good, man. Appreciate your heart on that. Uh, so if people are wanting to follow your church and keep up to date with what's going on and, and all that fun stuff, where would they find you? That's a great question. <laughs> so, so, we, uh, so we got a website. It's hvdenver.com. Um, okay. And so I'm actually, you know, I know this is like so in bad taste. I just don't want to give you the wrong information. So I'm, I'm pulling up my phone right now and I'm going to look up our handle on Instagram. The church has, we're, we're on the, we're on the gram. You're and, on the gram. Uh, we are. And I think it's called just Hope Valley Church. I think we managed to nail that, but I didn't want, I didn't want to lie to you. I think uh, it is true. Like it looks, looks like Casey looked it up and put it on the screen. So he's got your back. Oh, it's, has it been there that whole time? And I just I been mean, talking that's the last like 10, 15 seconds. So I was looking down, so trying to figure that out. So yeah, at Valley Church on Instagram. So uh, and we got we got some cool things that we put out there. Nothing like nothing at this scale. I mean, this is like this is the stuff I dream of being able to do. But we uh but we put out playlists, everyone like music playlists, um music to listen to, things that are going on, updates. Um inspiring words we're getting ready to do the abide fast with you guys and so you know we'll be doing all of that and um but yeah so if you want to if you want to know what's going on at hope valley church on instagram uh just like i said and your personal viral tiktok channel is yeah 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 that's uh groovy pastor 367 no i'm just kidding i'm on instagram but i don't use it i i I yeah, I'm not good at Instagram. I post every once in a while, mostly when people are visiting Hope Valley. <laughs> I'm like, hey, it's great to have them here. <laughs> I, I think no, about getting better at it, but I'm not good at it. About three times a year, influencer Chris comes out and posts on Instagram. So. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Awesome. Exactly. Well, I'm grateful for you being with us, man. Um, you know, do you have any 
somewhat short parting words, encouragements, anything you'd like to share before we wrap up? No, I can't wait to be with you guys. I'm really looking forward to uh, just spending time with you, uh, but getting to see your people in person. I've been watching online for a while, just kind of tracking you guys and praying for you. It'll be fun to, it'll be fun to be there in person. So thank you for the opportunity to, uh, to be here. You all are doing incredible things and I'm looking forward to being together. Appreciate that. January 23rd, 10.30 a.m. at Grace City, Eugene. Pastor David Hermes will be bringing the word. So if you're watching this, set aside that Sunday. Come hear the man in person. It'll be great. So we thank you for your time, David. It's always great being with you. And for those of you watching, thank you for this time. Um, just tuning in with us. We pray this encourages you that you can get to know Pastor David and just about their ministry a little more. And hopefully you get to meet him in person here in a couple of weeks. So thanks for tuning in to the Meet the Family podcast, and we'll see you next time.